0: He abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host and his sister for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Jaws 2. This is for all the Jaws 2 enthusiasts. I don't know if this movie has a ton of podcasts about it. Maybe that was part of why I wanted to do it. I found a few out there. The first one I found sounded like two guys holding two tin cans together and talking through them. But they made some astute observations, stuff that I wouldn't have thought of.
1: Oh, really? Like what?
0: I don't remember, but watching the movie again recently, I don't know. There's just something about it that made me want to add this to the list for the podcast myself. If it's summertime, then it's Jaws, whatever sequel it happens to be, even though it's not summertime right now. And maybe I subconsciously wanted to do another Elm Street because this version of Jaws features the Freddy shark. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What's the Freddy shark? That burned face shark makeup is a real treat. Early in the movie, someone tries to defend himself against a shark by using a flare gun, but only manages to scald half the shark's face. So there's the key difference between him and Freddy. The shark didn't get surrounded by some kid's parents, who subsequently doused him with gasoline and lit a match, only to have him haunt their dreams years later in a hat and a crappy sweater. But the shark does have a burned face and did kill some children and teenagers, as a matter of fact. And they do both share a love of slashing. One with teeth, the other with glove knives.
1: It is kind of a weird plot idea, like to center it around a burned shark. Were they trying to make him look scarier? Was that really necessary?
0: You wouldn't think so for a shark to look scarier, but um, the first time I watched it, it didn't even click for some reason. I didn't even have, I didn't remember, like it had that, that weird burned look to it. And watching it now, I guess I thought it was kind of impressive. They did keep the consistency after he got burned. They seemed very careful about that but by the end of the movie it just looks kind of silly to see it play out through the whole thing it's like i'm all for scene continuity but okay it's the end of the movie now we can lose that goofy burned face look now
1: (laughs) what's that movie you like with uh john candy and the big bear
0: Oh, The Great Outdoors?
1: Yeah. It's kind of like someone tried to defend themselves against that animal and only was successful in giving it a bald head. Yeah, true. Like, deliberately making it look silly for the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, that's the same idea. Although, they were, they were going for laughs, though. I don't think the Jaws people were necessarily trying to be funny. <laughs>
1: So, where does Jaws 2 fit in amongst the four shark movies? It wasn't the original. It wasn't the novelty of Jaws 3 and the amazing 3D effects, like a severed hand floating right in front of your face. Oh, yeah. Or the shark inching along towards SeaWorld at the very end. Well, it looks like it's frozen on screen. Or the thrill of seeing Dennis Quaid in short shorts. My favorite part.
0: Oh, mine too. <laughs> And it wasn't The Unparalleled Disaster, which I dare say is one of the worst fourth entries into a franchise in film history, Jaws the Revenge. And some people actually gladly give it the distinction of the worst movie ever made, period, The Revenge. Um, Yeah, but no, this is just Jaws 2. It didn't really seem to have a strong identity of its own, uh, but Jaws 2 did have a brief moment of distinction. It did very well at the box office, actually. It cost $20 million to make and brought in over $200 million. Can you believe it? It would hold the record for most successful sequel, as a matter of fact, um, until Rocky Two came out just a year later. And it also featured one of the greatest taglines in a movie ever, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That is iconic. And to this day, even younger people like the Z's and the millennials, they uh, they use that. And they might say something like, you know, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the bathroom. They don't even know why they're saying it where it came from. They just do it. So the original didn't have that fancy tagline written into the promotional material. But um, I literally just watched a commercial the other day. I think they were saying just when you thought it was safe to do something.
1: Yeah, I, I know it well. The original did inspire with that movie quote, we're going to need a bigger boat. But of course, that wasn't featured as the tagline.
0: Right. It would have been kind of hilarious, I guess, if that was written onto the poster. (laughs) Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) But um, the thing about Jaws 2 for me is that it just kind of felt like a smaller movie. And it always has felt that way to me, which I know sounds crazy because they had a budget of twice the original at $20 million. And by the way, to think that the original was a $9 million movie, that still blows my mind. The way it plays, it just looks and feels so much more expensive than that. But, and this is a big but, despite its double budget, you didn't have Quint, and you didn't have Richard Dreyfuss in the second one either. And oh, by the way, you didn't have Steven Spielberg, who at that point um, wasn't didn't have like a ton of gigantic powerhouse movies under his belt, but he was definitely making a name for himself. So you didn't have him attached to the project. And, um, you know, he was pretty much like, been there, done that. I already made the best shark movie that the world has ever seen. Why try and recreate that? And he was right. It was very difficult making that movie since they were on the water. And, um, you know, so he wanted no part of that. And obviously, Quint couldn't come back because his character was killed off. I'm not sure why Dreyfus didn't come back. But anyway, both those guys were dynamic personalities in the original. And you didn't have that. So... That leaves us with just Brody. So Roy Scheider is a fine actor with a fine resume. If you can satisfy a director like Bob Fosse, Mr. Jazz Hands himself, in a leading role about his autobiography, then you've got some on-screen presence. And oh, by the way, playing opposite Gene Hackman in The French Connection, in which he was also nominated for an Oscar in that one too, as well as All That Jazz. That's neither of those things, any, any small accomplishment But when you see him on his own in Jaws 2, it just doesn't really cut it for me. It just has the feel if you were ever in a situation like, you know, maybe back in college, you were slightly younger than your best buddies, then they go and graduate, you're still in college, and you've got to go and carry on the fun without them. It's a bit hollow and bittersweet. So we have Brody and the shark itself, who you could argue is the real star of the movie anyway. But still, what adds to this is a rather empty feeling um, of isolationism that you get from watching Brody. Almost immediately in this movie, he is absolutely paranoid about another shark attack. And he's the only one. And it's interesting because a lot of the minor supporting characters like the mayor are back. It's the exact same people are back. And they act like a massacre never even happened there in the first place. He's like, shark, huh? That could never happen. Meanwhile, literally the same guy was there to see half his beach eaten up in the first movie. But uh, no one wants to back Brody in this one. He's pretty much on his own, and it's almost sad watching him in his frustration trying to convince almost anyone who will listen. Uh, He starts to look like a madman by the time he's shooting his gun into the water at what he thinks is the shark. And then he gets released from the local police department. Whoops. So, Adrian, what was your reaction to Jaws 2? Jaws 2.
1: Well, first off, I wasn't even born when any of the Jaws series was, re- was released.
0: Which I find absolutely mind-blowing, by the way. I mean, 1, 2, and 3, they are old movies, and it's very back in the day. But um, when I saw the last one, Jaws 4, it's like I have very vivid memories of that in the theater. Um, our cousins and our uncle were there. But it's just funny to think that that was still two years away from you even being born. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much any movie on this podcast will be before my time. Uh, but I do love sharks, and although these are older movies, I can appreciate the entertainment. Uh, mm. It's a bit silly. There was a lot of focus on the teenagers, too, which got a little tedious after a while. Definitely some silly props, like you mentioned, the Freddy shark makeup. Also, the shark biting a helicopter and pulling it underwater. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like if that hadn't happened or appeared in this movie, then no one would ever have thought of that image. Not now, not ever. But whoever thought of that idea, don't take that as a compliment.
0: (laughs) Right. I actually forgot about that, too, which is kind of crazy to think for as weird a scene as it is. But you're right. Nobody would have thought to put that in a movie. Um, I guess that scene was scary the first time I ever saw it. But when you watch it now, it's like, give me a break um and the first time i did see it that was with our parents and mandy our sister and our cousin kathy was there for some reason i just realized um she was also there for jaws 4 when i was just, which i was just talking about when we saw that in the theater so she's a jaws buddy and i never even made that connection until now <laughs> um i thought two jaws 2 was entertaining like you say and there was definitely some scares The part where Brody walks into the water to grab that piece of wood and there's a burned up body attached, that startled me. That might have actually been a bigger scare than in the original when Dreyfus was diving underneath that abandoned boat and finds that zombie-looking body that popped out from below the hatch. (laughs) That kept me up at night at least once. Um, But it's funny because in the whole Jaws series, I find those dead body discoveries to be the biggest shocks in in the whole series. When I say shock, I, I mean as in something scary. I wasn't trying to say shark with a New England accent. It's weird because I didn't, I didn't necessarily find the, the shark shock shocking. Now I can't even, I get these <laughs> words mixed up now because I feel like I'm trying to say something goofy. So I don't find the shark startling, really. I think he's more suspenseful. Um, maybe with the exception of that one part where Brody was tossing the fish food into the water. And suddenly behind him out of nowhere, you can see the giant open mouth of the shark. That's shocking. But that's the only time I can remember um, the shark being himself as like a real jump scare type of thing. Um, I mean, the Jaws series isn't true horror. It's in the horror section because that's the only closest genre you can identify it with. But they're kind of like in a zone of their own, those movies. Um, But I will say they are remarkably fun movies. So anyway, getting back to when I was first watching it, um, Kathy was there. She watched us all jump up at the burned up body and she just laughed. She, she was like, I saw it before. I saw, I knew it was coming (laughs) and I hated her that her, I didn't hate her. I said, I hated, I hated her, that her and Rick watched literally anything they wanted. (laughs) And I was stuck only seeing some PG rated shark sequel from the (laughs) seventies. Um, so, but anyway, that was, that was their, uh, scenario but kathy did have this weird deal about her where even as a child she wanted to hang out with the adults she couldn't just like you know play around with the kids she considered herself equal to the adults which is weird She would try and talk like you know all like on the same level as mom when she was like 14 years old really yeah now, she pretty much just drapes herself in flannel and just sits on her ass with her equally disheveled husband somewhere in some shack in Nova Scotia, <laughs> T- trying to find out how to pay the rent or figure out how to pay the rent as they throw their hands up in the air.
1: <laughs> What's the matter with you? Did you tell our family about this podcast? No,
0: no way. See, if I did that, I can't make fun of them. I think I, and you know, the other thing too is just the thought of family even listening to this thing, I'd be way too embarrassed. So, family, no. Total strangers, yes. I'm fine with that.
1: Ah, so you'll just keep patching our family for now.
0: (laughs) Well, come on. They had to move in with their 20-year-old kids because they pissed their money away on (laughs) bullshit, right? I mean, you know that story. And they trashed their own kids' place, and so their kids kicked them out, and they couldn't even stand them.
1: Mmm, so getting back to Jaws.
0: (laughs) I do like Kathy, though. There's other family who I have a much bigger problem with, but you know how Ma had a problem with her.
1: Right, okay, so... Getting back to Jaws.
0: Yeah, okay. Getting back to Jaws. So (laughs) I first saw this, uh, when was that day that we were all sitting on the couch watching it? Probably about 15 or so. Um, At the time, I thought it was fun and exciting, but I didn't really know what real horror movies were back then. And I never, that's not to say that it wasn't a good movie, Um, but I never went back and watched it again until now, some 30 years later. The movies that really made an impact are the ones I typically want to watch over and over, but that's not necessarily a rule. There's exceptions. I mean, I could love a movie from years ago and never even watch it again once. And um, incidentally, there were very few horror sequels that actually came out in the 70s. There were many 70s movies that were given sequels by the next decade in the 80s, like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, and Hills Have Eyes. They all had their premiere... Um, entries in the 70s and then of course they created a bunch of sequels to them later on but to get that sequel right in the 70s decade that's very rare for any movie you got to say and um yeah and like i said this is the highest grossing sequel briefly until rocky 2 beat it out in 79 so i'm just looking at a couple notes i scrolled down here trying to figure out what i was talking about there was um, a couple good lines in this movie, which I made a note of. And uh, the one I liked the most, they mentioned a place. I can't even remember where this appears in the movie, but they say it's the only joint in town where the garbage man delivers. <laughs> I have no clue what that was in reference to, but I do like the sound of it. <laughs> and I like using it, too. Um, production wise, this was troubled. Just like the first one, they had problems with it being at sea and then the original director i guess was replaced by an alternate director not long into the filming and the original director blamed the mechanical shark of course why wouldn't you blame that (laughs) interestingly this was filmed in martha's vineyard and like just like the original and some locals at martha's vineyard where it was filmed didn't want the crew back they didn't want to see another sequel i guess if you're older and you just want to enjoy your little summer hangout without all that chaos that comes with a movie crew. Um, I could see that. They even made some t-shirts that said Go Home Universal. Apparently, though, when they switched directors, I guess they packed everything up and went down to Florida and filmed the rest of the movie. Down there, some of the local businesses and locals made out like bandits. (laughs) Um, I read that there was some boat supply company who made something like half a million off of Universal. Um, And I'd love to watch a movie just just on that alone, just focused on these, these stories of though the people who loved and hated the infiltration of the jaws to production crew in their town i'd totally watch that
1: yeah that does sound kind of entertaining to hear about for pretty much any movie and how it affected like the local people in the area
0: yeah i don't know why we don't have more documentary type things like that so there was um a local newspaper that i found that back in 1977 said something to the effect that um Well, the Jaws people are back in town. They seem even more organized now and have even more money. See, to me, that's so awesome that it could be a topic of conversation where you're actually living. You know, to not only have the first movie filmed there, which was a blockbuster, and then you live, you know, right where you live, and then all the hype and success that followed it, and then the sequels there too. It's like back in the summer of 77, that would have totally been a topic between you and your neighbor. I love the sound of that. So, Roy Scheider, though, he, he wasn't so interested in this movie, as a matter of fact. Um, he was supposed to be in that movie, The Deer Hunter, which was filmed right at the same time. But then he had creative differences with that director. Then the studio, MCA Universal, who also was in charge of the Jaws series, said he could bail on the Deer Hunter. And they'd let him off the hook with his contract, but only if he agreed to do Jaws too. So I'm trying to make sense of what I researched because he gets a pass from the deer hunter if he's in Jaws 2, but then he's so reluctant to do Jaws 2 because he feels like people are only watching the series to see the shark.
1: <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I mean, I'm sure any Jurassic, any actor from Jurassic Park would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, but then he apparently he's so desperate to get out of Jaws 2 that he trashed a hotel in Beverly Hills and pleaded insanity like a psycho would do.
1: <laughs> wow. Just think about that one example of really weird behavior from a high-profile actor and how the pre-social media era gave him cover for this to go under the radar.
0: <laughs> right. I guess, um, you know, I had never heard of this prior to doing research on the movie. I mean, this movie was before my time, too, if we're being honest. I'd be, like, two years old when it came out. So it's not like I was reading papers back then.
1: Yeah, but unless you happen to catch it in the paper or news, Newsweek, I guess, you may never have heard about it back then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You'd think a story like this could have been become a legend, but um, I believe this is according to his biographer, though. So it's possible it could have just been, you know, hushed up and maybe it just never made it into the headlines. So it doesn't make sense that he chose to do Jaws 2 in the first place uh, because it's, I don't know, nothing about that does make sense. I guess this was the less horrendous of the ultimatum in his eyes. I don't know what MCA would have done if he said no to both movies. But I guess whatever that was, it was bad enough that he, resided, he resorted to doing one of them. But uh, here's the funny thing. I mean, the Deer Hunter went on to win the best picture with Oscar, I mean, Academy Award nominations all over the place to a bunch of different actors in the movie. And one was given to Christopher Walken, who had a supporting role in that movie. So I mean, Scheider, he, he said there was creative differences. But obviously, the director did something right for that movie. So who knows? You ever heard of the Deer Hunter, Adrian?
1: Um, I've heard of the band Deer Hunter, but I've never heard of the movie Deer Hunter.
0: Well, it'd be definitely something different than the band. It's just a bunch of assholes and plaid shirts and camo. They go to a hunting camp together in their pickup trucks, and they fall in love. It was the Brokeback <laughs> Mountain of the seventies.
1: Uh, somehow, I don't think that's accurate.
0: And you'd be right. It actually was a really well-written movie. It was good. I mean, it won Best Picture, and um. Yeah, but it was very dark and disturbing. One of those Vietnam War era things. Mm. So anyway, while Scheider was on the set of Jaws too, he did nothing but complain and argue with that director. And that was probably pretty funny. And Scheider can yell. It's just that I always forget that. I don't think of him with that personality like he had and all that jazz with the flamboyant tendencies.
1: <laughs> Man, he really hated Jaws too.
0: Yeah, I guess I can't blame them. I read that they had terrible trouble in the water, just like they did with the first one. So he's already been through it once, right? And then, um, you know, they got the whipping winds. And, of course, that doesn't bode well for the sailboats, which there are so many of in that movie. And Scheider said they're always contending with tides and surf and the wind, of course, and jellyfish, water spouts, hurricane warnings. And oh, by the way, real sharks, which I'd never heard that. I, you'd think like, um, you know, that'd be more of a story, but I didn't realize there was actually real sharks to worry about during the filming of that. You know, there's a lot of similarities between that and the, and the original. And speaking of the original, one more uh, memory I recall from that, where Lorraine Gray, she's the girl, the, the lady who plays his wife, and they're on the beach at some point. Now, Scheider's front and center, but you can hear her in the background talking to a sunbather next to her and something to the effect of like, when do I become an Islander? We just moved here from New York City about a year ago, but at some point I'll be one of you, right? And the lady next to her, she's like, oh, there's nothing you can do. You'll never be one of us. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Something about the way she said that, I love it. And it's just, uh, it's a little bit opposite of all the, you know, inclusion type stuff. But I guess it's just one of those You know those opposite takes from back in the 70s that that they had just to put a bow on all this which is an expression i hate by the way um i thought the ending was a little lame you know he holds up that electric wire which they referenced somehow in the early part of the movie there was these i guess patrol guys and they saw the warning sign for the wire but um they mentioned it there and it comes back at the end i don't know how he even gets into his hands it's just like i just watched this and i still can't remember Mm -hmm. but i just remember him holding up the air the shark comes bites down and then it gets fried and it was a fun ride overall but yeah the ending it just seemed to lack something so adrian you being a big fan of sharks (laughs) i know that um along with jaws you had these that shark week was a big favorite of yours maybe not so much Mm -hmm. now but when you were younger do you have like any favorite shark week memories
1: (laughs) yeah um well, talking about the uh, the 3D effects of Jaws 3, it kind of made me think about this one time um, the Discovery Channel tried this thing with Shark Week where they were promoting certain episodes that were going to be in 3D, mm-hmm. and I think you had to like buy a magazine or something that included a pair of like special edition shark week glasses that's right
0: i was there i don't know where we were or but wasn't that like on a vacation it could have
1: been we were we may have been like visiting you or something yeah um yeah but did you have any glasses to watch it
0: (laughs) of uh shark week or jaws 3.
1: of shark week
0: actually i haven't seen many of those myself (laughs) i've got several pairs of glasses laying around oddly enough i don't have a pair for jaws 3. I actually have the 2D version of that movie, which I guess is why it looks even shittier than it does in 3D, because <laughs> then the graphics are really, really bad. Yeah, it's funny, because 3D used to be all the rage. just not that long ago, but I guess it was kind of long ago. Maybe I'm thinking of that Clash of the Titans remake, which I believe was 2010. So, wow. Yeah, we and that was around, years.
1: like I think, Avatar as well. They had it yeah. on 3D a lot. Um, yeah, I think I saw that in 3d uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs. I think I saw. In oh, 20. I missed. Yeah, that. like that early 2010s era
0: You know i'll tell you you're right and there was another animated movie. I saw in 3d called bolt Do you remember that?
1: Oh bolt bolt? <laughs> Wait So. We, with,
0: <laughs> the, about the dog, of, right? Yeah We have different accents we're from the same area weird (laughs) somehow
1: (laughs) yeah but with the dog and the cat how did you end up seeing that
0: oh a date i was dragged (laughs) to see it but
1: figured yeah
0: so yeah that's the general time frame when a lot of those were coming out and i guess they continued for the next three years or so but now they're just kind of gone
1: yeah well it's funny though because like a lot of people now have those um oculus glasses and I'm surprised they haven't like taken advantage of or maybe they have, where it's like they release movies specifically for like use with an Oculus where it's like you're part of the movie.
0: Oh yeah. That it sounds like quite a big budget type of thing. I'm wondering if that's why. I know I've done this before. I've done the Oculus thing at these random storefronts. You go into a strip mall and they've got like a special, you know, virtual reality mm-hmm. type of setup. So I've worn that headset and I've played a few games. I guess you can either compete with people or do something on your own. I was um uh, on a mountaintop and you had to like either shoot something or throw okay. something, throw a ball, and it was just it wasn't like that fascinating of a story, it was just more yeah. for them to show off the technology.
1: Yeah, I know that there's um horror games actually, um, which are pretty terrifying and I've only seen them like being played. I've never played one myself. It would be really scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be immersed in something like that.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I've definitely not come across anything like that. But it sounds like, yeah, why don't they do more of that? Because it yeah. seems like anything horror, mm-hmm. you know, as we see with Stranger Things these days and just all these other things, it seems to have like a big market for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they do. We're just not as privy to it. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I know. It just doesn't seem like they make really good horror movies so if they added something to that mm-hmm. if they're all fresh out of ideas for making good horror movies let's just do something really different and stick people in them
1: yeah yeah i don't know it opens up a whole new world of uh, <laughs> <laughs> dynamics
0: right i don't know there's some different like this stuff's getting out of control This virtual <laughs> stuff virtual stuff 3d stuff but yeah the the one 3d movie i remember going to in the theater back a while back with all those other movies was Fright Night. They did a remake of that. Mm. I remember Joel and Jen and I wanted to go and see that. Yeah. But it was one of those rare times where he didn't have like disposable cash like he always seems to. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you want to go see that? He's like, "Ah, things are kind of tight. <laughs> so I just went in like a big shot saying, oh, I got it. It's on me. <laughs> so we go there. And then I find out why he didn't want to go because the tickets, unbeknownst to me, were like $25, $30. <laughs> Jesus. for one ticket to see um you know a, a 3d version of a crappy fright night remake <laughs> so now it's like you got the three tickets that's easily 75 to maybe 90 dollars with tax yeah sodas popcorn that's probably in it like 125.
1: <laughs> it's an expensive trip to the movies
0: fun time <laughs> oh you know when you were talking about um horror games what i th- almost thought you were going to say was um the stranger things the mm-hmm. new season of that mm-hmm Do you know anything about that Dungeons and Dragons game they were playing? Like, I remember that stuff existed back when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. but watching them play, I have no clue what they're doing or what they're talking about.
1: Well, I've dated a few guys that were pretty into D&D, including my first um, ex.
0: You're (laughs) kidding. Which I think
1: you remember, but... um,
0: Oh, that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... um, I don't know. You've probably seen like a D20 dice and just not have associated it. But it's like this.
0: I think that was the first. uh, Yeah, maybe I saw it before. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I really did not know what they were doing. The one guy that was narrating. So he wasn't part of the game. Like he was the one. I forget his name. That's the
1: dungeon master. You're thinking of Billy?
0: The guy with the long hair that's too old to be in high school. And it's just like. He was like the most into it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the dungeon master. So the dungeon master like sets up the story and the situations and then the players they are the ones that are kind of making the decisions it's kind of like a player or um decide your own adventure what is that yeah. called? yeah
0: choose your own adventure books choose to your have. own
1: adventure yeah it's mm-hmm. kind of like that but like the dice kind of chooses if you're successful in your decision or if you're not so <laughs> and then you make your own characters um and then you like assign your characters like powers and stuff. I don't really know Yeah. Everything about it, but that's the, the gist.
0: Okay. I mean it was interesting <laughs> to see how how they got into it. I yeah. mean that's just like one world I really had no clue what was going on there and it's just (laughs) so funny he's so into it and he's like you don't have to go any further you don't have to be a hero if you don't want to and they're all deciding whether they want to or not and it's almost like he's hosting a show Mm -hmm. for like nobody (laughs) it's just like those people that are there playing the game and
1: yeah i don't know maybe hmm. you should try it out like being a dungeon master
0: (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i don't know but i like the series overall though Mm -hmm. i like the um I'm only two season no, not two season, two episodes into it. So yeah. it's um they're long, so it feels like I'm further into it and mm-hmm. then I realize it's just like nope, just those two shows. But I love the way it started out with that um version of California Dreaming. Mm-hmm. It's like it was very instrumental for a long time. It's like but you could tell what it was as um, you know, 11 is writing the letter to Mike, was mm-hmm. that her boyfriend's name? Yeah. Okay. Making making it sound like everything is going great in California as she's writing the letter, but then in parallel shots, you see her getting bullied, mm-hmm. and everything, of course, is not as she's explaining in the letter. But just the way they worked it in with that song, I thought was really. I just liked that version of the song. So
1: yeah, I think it's interesting how they're combining like a feature length. Um, episode into like a series so it's like a movie but it's also like a tv show um and i actually really like the longer episodes because it kind of gets more i don't know it gives them more freedom to like get more involved in the story and the characters so i think it's cool and i probably you'll probably see like more shows start Maybe doing that.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, I I was wondering, you know, why they even got onto that in the first place or how they got onto it. Was it because the last season wasn't as well received and they figured they had to do something different, but there are other shows that have done that. I think Ozark might have.
1: Mm, I I think their episodes are like an hour. Maybe some of them are a little longer.
0: Okay. Maybe I just keep thinking of like the the finales, which are pretty (laughs) much always longer, no matter what show it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was a really good season. Um, brace yourself for a lot more Kate Bush.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So they do, they play more of that song than just like that one time on her Walkman. Cause yeah, second episode, I guess she's going in to see a counselor or something and it's yeah. playing and then she stops it. And then, so there's more to it than just that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that is uh foreshadowing. As yeah. Call it in the, in the business. <laughs> Interesting.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. I'll keep on watching. It's yeah. a good season. Well, that was Jaws 2, and uh, a little extra stuff at the end there. Do you think the Jaws series is worthy of us doing another Jaws movie at some point, or should we just leave it at 2 and move on?
1: Um, yeah, I think possibly the original. Um, I don't think it's like like what you've said before. It's not like horror horror. I don't think it's like. Scary, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, could be a nice uh, summertime revisit.
0: Plan it for next summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, as usual, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Over. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. As always, today's episode was brought to you by a big endowment from the Alliance to Fight the Perception that Introverts are Stuck Up Assholes.